Hi, everybody. This is Science Modeling Talks, the podcast that features top modeling instructors and thought leaders sharing ideas. I'm your host, Mark Royce. Remember to visit sciencemodelingtalks.com to access extra content related to our interviews and to learn more about our guests. While you're there, share your thoughts and comments by clicking the link that says, Tell us what you think. We really want to hear from you. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. My guest for this episode is George Nelson. George began his teaching career back in 2009 in the greater Phoenix area, where he taught 8th grade science for four years. George then relocated back to his hometown in Crystal Lake, Illinois, where he's taught 8th grade science for five years. He's now teaching 7th grade science in Wilmette, Illinois. George became acquainted with modeling instruction from the third Masters of Natural Science program at Arizona State University under the leadership of Colleen Megawan Romanowitz. Through using modeling instruction in his classroom, George takes great pride that his students are learning science by doing science. For the last seven summers, George has served as an AMTA middle school workshop facilitator. He's made connections with hundreds of middle school teachers across the Midwest. His initiative is to help develop resource materials that will support middle school and elementary teachers in implementing modeling instruction at the lower grade levels. Here's my interview with George. Hi, George. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm uh, excited to talk to you about middle school modeling today and and the work that you've been doing in it and uh, and the influence that you're having with middle school modelers. So I'm excited to get going on this. First of all, I know you've been doing modeling workshops and, and involved in modeling instruction for about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, something like that. And uh, you've taught a lot of workshops. But but you're still in the classroom, and I want to ask you, when you got introduced to modeling, how did it influence your approach to classroom teaching? What were the impacts of, of learning about modeling? I realized that there was a big missing piece in my teaching where getting the student, the student discourse, students talking to students, and it wasn't me talking one-on-one with students, like having a monologue, and it was getting building a community, which I wasn't even aware of yet. And it was just getting the kids to be able to know, to learn science by getting them to interact with their peers. And that being the most important step of getting my kids to actually understand and build on their understanding and give them the skills, hopefully to get them ready for high school. Talk to me a little bit about your teaching before modeling and your teaching after. So I have to kind of think back to that time when I was teaching traditionally. I was in Chandler, Arizona. This is like 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. And I still remember having these big class sizes. But we would have our, we would do a lab. They'd follow the instructions. But then they would have a, um, we would have a post-lab discussion where it was basically me just putting students' graphs or answers underneath a doc cam at the time. And it was me asking kids one-on-one. And there really wasn't, that wasn't the engagement, the interaction that I really wanted, or it wasn't, we weren't having kids talking to each other. I thought that a good discussion was just me answering questions one-on-one with the students. And then when I did my first whiteboard discussion at Arizona State, um, 
man's name was uh, Dr. Middleton. He was great. Uh, we were doing some kinematics and that really, I really struggled that first semester with not only content, but also just the whole pedagogy and trying to wrap my brain around it. Uh, I'm curious about like, what's the best modeling tip that you've learned that you could share with our listeners that uh, you would like want to pass forward, like this great tip that you've learned. Getting those whiteboard discussions to work. The biggest thing I think is obviously student engaging with your students, engaging them in the activities, walking around, talking in small groups. But when you circle up the Socratic dialogue, the question that you need is the talk science primer that I got from the Michigan modeling um, group, Mike Gallagher, Don Pata, Laura Ritter, that by practices, those two, I think the talk science primer is essential for modeling instruction. It has those generic, it shows you the four goals of having to get your discussions, I think, to the level that we want. Um, but it has the great generic questions that you can put in there, and it shows you the hows and whys and some tidbits in there to get those going. And I couldn't, I first ran whiteboard discussions. I didn't have this like the first two years, and I was really struggling. And after reading the talk science primer, I think it's the most important thing I've read in science education probably. Wow. Talk science primer. I've not heard of it, but I'm sure maybe some of our listeners have. But can you tell me a little bit more about it, where to find it, you know, where people might be able to access that info? Yeah, I can send you a link with the PDF for it. It's like a 20, 20 page read, but it's really uh, it's really teacher friendly. Um, and is it's from Boston University. I think Sarah Michaels and Kathy O'Connor, Boston University, I think. Clark College, but yeah, they and they also have a Turk project. It's like a video series that goes with that article that um, you can easily download it for free online. Um, but it really talks you through. They have four outlining goals of what is productive talk, and then they talk about they walk you through how to execute it and these generic questionings. It's funny. I've I've been with the transition to NGSS. The big push is you know getting the kids having these rich discussions. But ironically, in the teacher notes, they have these really long, detailed, like how to have these. Like it's like so the the, the questions, the discussions are so scripted that I don't think anyone could really. It's still going back into what the article talks about: the IRE initiate teacher initiates questions, respond, and the teacher evaluates. Which it's not what we want in the discussion anymore. We want the kids talking and sense making. So the talk science primer, I always feel like. I've, they've thrown multiple different curriculums at me to implement, to trial. And so a lot of teachers spend a lot of time looking at the teacher notes. And all I do is look at the instructional, the activity, what's the instructional objective. And then I just know what to use for talk science primer, like the talk, they call it talk moves. That's a big one for, uh, and I just know how to execute that to get the kids talking to each other. So they have, they have discussion, they have question prompts, generic ones that can fit in almost any section. Um, it's getting students to listen to each other, revoicing. I should really have this down, what the four goals are. Um, but, yeah, having the kids, uh, their understanding, and then, yeah. So, but, yeah, it's, 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 if you're really struggling in getting the kids to talk or not sure what questions to ask, I think this is a, it's a great read, good Thanksgiving read. So, George, you've interacted with a lot of teachers through your workshops. And, and so my question is, what do you see in those teachers, what their 
biggest challenge that they're facing, you know, uh, how is morale and enthusiasm among teachers that you're meeting and, uh, how are, are you influencing that in the workshop also? But, you know, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing educators today? I think before the pandemic, it was trying to get teachers to transition to NGSS and, you know, make and enhance their instruction with their students. I think now it's a lot of it is teacher support, classroom management. I think the kids, obviously, I think we're transitioning back. I think after talking to some other modelers, I think this year is going much better than last year with the students and getting them transitioned back into the classroom. Um, and that's so I think it is like we have with the teacher morale. I think it's a lot of it is is just getting our students back in the classroom and really trying to show them what school really is. I think we had a, a soft landing for our students last year that didn't was good and bad. I think it had pros and cons. Um, but now I think it's really just trying to get them back in there. And I think with yeah, I don't think it's a modeling instruction. I don't think it's an AMTA. It's it's not like it's not. The modeling is, it's, I just think it's, it's a huge problem that we have in education in general. But I do think when doing modeling well, like I've been doing this for years, it helped me get my kids back in the rhythm of learning. Because I think when you're doing modeling well, you can personalize instruction to meet different needs of kids. And um, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, just, I think this year, although I do, after talking to some other people in the Chicagoland area, they're, they're saying that this year the kids are adapting and doing a better job this year of transitioning back in the classroom. I think that's been a problem across the U.S., you know, with the pandemic really did put things on hold and kind of got everything off track. Students kind of had a year or more where they weren't as invested in school and and, uh, the approach to school was different. A lot of people online and it's just a real different approach than face-to-face. So how does uh, modeling impact a teacher's effectiveness in the classroom in your opinion? I think it gives you the framework and the structure to create a classroom environment where kids feel welcomed and getting it gives really gives a purpose of why we need kids in school. I think when we went virtual, I think a lot of people, and I was saying this before the pandemic and it, it sounds crazy, but I'm like, if a lot of people were anti what I was doing in my classroom, using the model instruction, getting the student discourse. And I was, and at that point I'm like, well, if you want to still lecture and give them the right answers at the end of the class, I feel like you you could get replaced real quickly by YouTube. Like you don't need someone talking in person. You just need, and then having the, instead of having the written parts, those multiple choice questions that can be scored, can be all be automated anyways. So I think this is what's best for kids. And I think that not only my teaching science, I think it's kind of funny as I was at, when I was uh, out with some friends and I was talking to this one guy who teaches math at a prestigious high school in Chicago and we we're all teachers. And he said, he had the great thing at the end. He said, it's like, we all said what subjects we teach and what grade level. He just said, I teach kids. Like, I think he teaches like, like calculus, but he's like, I just, I teach kids. He coaches baseball and he teaches kids. And I'm like, that's a really good answer. Just, we're trying to, trying to get that atmosphere. Like for me, it's all just skill building. Like the content in my seventh grade science class, it's, it's earth science, a little bit of life science. I think embedded in there's physical science, but it's to me, it's like, can we do, can we teach kids how to construct these conceptual fundamental models, 
show them how to graph, show them how to design a lab variables, um, engage, know how to engage with their peers in a whole class discussion, perhaps maybe teach them how to do like readings, reading annotations, and then we send them off to the next level. And I think that's what um, they, uh, my high school has, it's very intimidating. They have the freshman biology students do a survey on their junior high science teachers. They got like a couple different categories, but uh, the four, the department four I got there, they um, did not scores, did not get the reviews that they would expect from their former students. But the majority of my students gave me good, good reviews. The one thing that they don't, the one thing I always get downplayed on is I don't have them memorize. They don't want, they don't, I don't have them the study, like having them study every night. And for me, it's just get the kids in the classroom. I think we try, I try to get everything done that we can in the classroom. If they're doing work outside of class, it's things make up work or try and go an extra to try to study for, prepare for an assessment. I know that one of the things I've heard from high school teachers especially modelers, has been that they don't feel like modeling is in, introduced early enough to get kids used to that approach to teaching. So when they get to high school and face a modeling classroom, they sometimes struggle getting into the groove of how modeling is at works and implements in the classroom. But you've been specifically, and now only in the middle school arena, is that correct? And yet you're really working to uh, implement modeling instruction approaches in, in the middle school classroom. Talk to me about how you do that with middle school teachers. I don't know if, you, if you've had any experience in high school classrooms, but it's uh, interesting to me to, to hear your perspective and share with our listeners, who probably a lot of them are high school instructors, uh, how you are uh, preparing your students for high school. I, yeah, like I mentioned before, it's it's a lot of it's skill building. Can they can they design a lab? Can they understand this is tough for kids? It's a, a routinely identifying what's the independent, dependent controls, a testable experiment with graphing, um, and then learning how to engage, learn how to do a reading, know how to really dissect a reading. The content's great, but it's just the vehicle that drives all these skills. So, I mean, I sometimes I use too much sarcasm in my department meetings at school. Like, so a lot of times we don't get to our last unit on oceans and how it, we'd start building and how it shapes climates. But I'm like, I think that's okay. I don't, I didn't have to, I didn't hit, I didn't have to do with anything with oceans until I think my junior year of college in like a 300 level environmental science class. Um, <laughs> I don't think people pick up on that, but yeah, I think it's just, that's what I try to hard sell middle school teachers on is I think we learn so much on pacing and trying to cover the curriculum and getting all this content I think if we just give these lead these kids off with solid fundamental models of forces in motion, particle models, life science, you know, any of those things, I think they'll pick it up. They'll take it to the next level in high school. We'll get right back to the interview in a moment. But first, did you know you can support the AMTA by simply shopping online with Amazon? When you use Amazon Smile, Amazon will make a donation to the AMTA at no additional cost to you. Setting up Amazon Smile is easy. Just go to smile.amazon.com and select American Modeling Teachers Association as your preferred charity. Your signing up will really help the modeling cause. 
Now, back to the interview. I know that you're pretty deeply involved with developing resources and strategies for uh, modelers in middle schools. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the resources that you've been involved with and what you love to share with other middle school teachers as far as resources and perhaps talk about some of the strategies that you like to help people employ? Yeah, I was, so I was on this, I think we, we did this podcast with um, a couple, like right during the pandemic, right during the lockdown, actually, those were scary times. Um, and the same deal was then as I was trying to develop like new middle school units, like I've rewritten with my current curriculum, some earth science units that I share in workshops. And if anyone ever asked, reached out to me, a lot of times to get people, I have former participants from the workshops and I always try to push those things off and I have it in a Google drive. Um, a lot of earth science, like it's rock cycle, plate tectonics. I have some weather and climate. Those are the real ones that I've really rewritten. And I have look some small life science units. I just, I'm still, I haven't made the progress. And I think about it often. It's just, I wish that we could get a team together to help revise the middle school modeling units, but I push off and I know I've been kind of uh, scolded before, but I'm, I'm all about whatever's best for kids use it. And I'm using outside competitors um, I don't really know if I view them as competitors, but non-modeling curriculum, there's there's good stuff out there um, that's in the development and, and free to use. I know like Open Syed, I've never been to a Open Syed project, but I hear great things. I'm seeing really good things on, online, people posting about it. And I think anything that's NGSS aligned, they claim that they're NGSS aligned, modeling is the pedagogy, the instruction to really execute it and take it to the next level. I don't know the answer to this question. Um, do you know, does AMTA have modeling resources for middle school teachers through their websites? Do, are you familiar? I think they were published in like 2013, 2014. They were well done. It really helped me transition more to, to modeling in the middle school classrooms. But yeah, there are units written. Now, they were published in a beta. They weren't actually ever, I don't think, believe they were ever field tested. So I struggled especially the first year, like taking the physical science and then really understanding what's at the kid's level, what are better activities, what weight and really to hone out and brush out the storyline where the students really see how one activity builds off of another. So I hope that a lot of people have asked me for the eighth grade science and the, the forces in motion. And I've modified, I've modified it and the activities, the, the resources are much easier accessible um, so anyone can use them. I share them in workshops. I tell people email me on the side. I send them to. I just don't know who, where, who, where to put it. It's it's not in the same format that that we have it posted on the AMTA website. It's just a Google Drive. So if everyone never needs anything like that, I, I this is this is the one thing I love sharing these resources. Um, yeah, I can remember like the way my first years of struggling with modeling was also the same way that when I was struggled when I was twenty two, fresh out of college, with teaching middle school, like. I didn't have labs. I didn't have resource. I didn't have worksheets. I didn't have anything, but I found this teacher and she's incredible. Uh, she's not a modeler, but she's awesome. And at the time her labs were great. Uh, it's Geneva Baker. She's out of like Casa Grande, Arizona. And I, I somehow found her website and I started just using her labs and she saved me that first year. And 
I hope what we're doing in the middle school is helping there's helping teachers help transition their classroom because if you get it going if you get middle school modeling going in your classroom it's extremely rewarding like i i enjoy most days of the week i i enjoy going to work and interacting with the kids and so are you willing to share your email on this podcast so people can contact you if they get interested and want to find out some more from you uh, can you share that with us yeah, uh, my work email is nelsong at wilmet39.org. Wilmet39. Now, Wilmet is spelled? W-I-L-M-E-T-T-E. Wilmet39.org. Okay. Nelson G at wilmet39.org. We'll post that on the Science Modeling Talks website as well, uh, tied to this interview. So when people go and find this episode, they'll be able to see some other resources there. And you can email me other content links and stuff like that that we'll post there as well. Cool. Uh, So you're leading some workshops coming up in 2023, right? Yeah, I think we're. Yeah, I think I didn't. I've done a bad job. I've been so caught up in coaching right now, but trying to market the middle school advanced uh, middle school modeling. I think it's advanced topics. You can be a beginning modeler or needing to get brushed up or wanting more techniques. David Bates, I've worked with him and for years now. Uh, we're gonna try next year. Yeah, try to anyone new try to help grow and help uh help help modelers middle school modelers reconnect. Where will they find how to sign up for that workshop? And is there more than one? And what are the dates? The workshop starts in January. It's a 15-week class. I think we'll go to May. But oh. it's three hours three hours a week. But we don't know what day of the week. It, whatever works best for people, participants, that's where we usually survey people and try to see what day of the week works. The more people we get in this class, we hope that they just share, the, share with their colleagues about this and potential interest of joining a workshop sometime too. Can they register for that on the AMTA website? I believe so, yes. Okay, American Modeling Teachers Association. I think it's modelinginstruction.org is the link. So if you're interested in uh, this middle school workshop, 15 weeks, you said. Yeah, we 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 do modeling. We talk about modeling. We talk about the pedagogy. And we really talk about building classroom community and connecting with our students. Classroom community. Yes, yes, yep. That's a different kind of phrase, that you know, as opposed to uh, just getting kids to do work and and uh, comply to state standards or whatever. I mean, building community. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I think that the number one way, like education is like, you know, it's – I think a lot of people disagree with it, but the number one way you really want to teach kids is you want to get them in order to get the kids to learn, you got to be able to connect with them and build that environment where everyone feels safe. And, um, a lot of it is, is the management and how you, how I interact with kids. So I, think I just got off of parent teacher conferences, 135, five minute conversations with different parents. And I think if it wasn't, uh, if I wasn't talking about trying to get kids to participate more in discussions and the skills we're doing to get them ready for high school, another one was two, three of them were, were tough ones where it was just like, can't get them to engage with their peers. They just don't feel welcomed. Um, I will met where I work at. I, I think we, some of my buddies that have taught in other communities and we realize how fortunate we are and we got a great supportive community and great kids. And, um, 
it's, I don't know. I don't think there's, there's not definitely not a one size fit all for that one. It's trying to get kids to engage, try to find peers that they like. And I also think like junior high is, I don't know how you felt. Junior high was not, it's not a fun, a lot of people, it's not a fun time. So it's trying to just make sure you know that you get the kids knowing that you're, you're there for them and you're on their side. And um, yeah, and the, and the management, I think we, Carl, uh, Carly Dello and I, we, we ran a workshop. We ran this like a couple years ago, I think. Um, would talk about management. I forgot the name of the book. It was, I think it was called Hacking School Discipline that we read. And there were so many tidbits in there and um, about just really how you connect with kids and the word, the, how, the words that how we engage and talk with our kids when they need to be redirected is really important too. And the school, the school system and setups that you have going along the way, why, um, along the way are there too. And we, we talk about all this. I mail the books out for free and we, um, yeah, we talk about, yeah, those are just, they elicit good conversations that people bring up currently in their classroom, like things that they're experiencing in their classrooms, challenges that they're having. And, um, yeah, we have really real authentic conversations during it. So I run these, I run these classes, but I mean, I'm stealing this from Don Pata from Michigan. Um, more of a learning leader. I think I benefit just as much as the other participants. And I don't think I'd be teaching at the school I'm at today and the teacher that I am today if I wasn't engaged with all these different teachers from all these different places. Yeah, and it's awesome that we get these people from all sorts of different backgrounds because it's just you hear their experiences and what they're going through and their, what, what their school culture is like, and it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I have a lot of respect for you and those who – are uh, choosing to work in the middle school environment because, like you were mentioning, that age group is really hard to get them to engage relationally with people because they're so trying to figure out who they are and where they fit. And, you know, you know, there's a lot of um, kind of inward focus with those kids and, and sometimes a lot of shyness. And, and it's just great that people like you are working to help those students to come into their own and relationally with others as well as in a learning environment and understanding how to learn and better themselves i think it's great uh we talked about the impact of of covid and the and the pandemic and the you know shift in in school with teachers face to face and all that kind of stuff uh george but how what would you say would be the way or your uh, advice on how to get pe- teachers uh, engaged again and to really pull them out of their online seats and get them face to face and you know what would you suggest that we do yeah you know it's funny it's funny you bring that up is two weeks ago i was in uh, out in the chicago land suburbs i coached science olympiad and um we had i was at the big conference and there used to be 300, three or 400 teachers going to these classes, going to these uh, coaches clinics. And the one thing Science Olympiad run nationally is they were saying that they're only getting a fraction of the people to come to these clinics, go to these professional, go to uh, reaching out for resources, attending the classes. And I know AMTA is seeing the same thing, but it, yeah, it's not an AMTA problem. It's, it's a, it's an educational in general problem. And I was trying to market which AMT has really progressed how they, how they, how we, how we've run um, the organization the last couple of years. Uh, it's really trying to get people to come back out. And I think a lot of teachers, like you said, are struggled, burnt out, 
But middle school, like these mo- modeling workshops are engaging. And if we can get people to go out for it, I think we'll definitely reinvigorate, get people re-motivated to be back in the class, like be teaching and back in the classroom. Um, but yeah, the teacher burnout, obviously morale is, I was, I hope it's trending upwards, but I don't know. But um, yeah, it's just trying to get people to grow, which is trying to grow the organization to make teachers better teachers. I think this is why I don't know where I would be if I wasn't doing modeling instruction in my classroom. I think if I was still traditionally, when I was in Chandler, Arizona, this is like, feels like a lifetime ago, but um, I was having a good year, but this is what made it better. And then when I came back to Illinois, um, teaching in some challenges, challenged having some families, you know, broken households and having students challenging lives as a modeling instruction was the number one way that for me, it's about teaching and learning and building that community. And that really saved me in my mindset of the purpose of what I'm trying to do as a teacher. Um, I still enjoy, I mean, I still have great kids where I'm at right now and just trying to keep, keep going trying to always just, yeah, just try to keep building, being a better teacher and trying to help other people out along the way. But I don't have an answer for how we can get, but I guess to not get to your answer, I don't know how we can get more people to come to these workshops. I don't, I think it's just giving, running great workshops where we have great workshop leaders where participants leave with a great experience that word of mouth to their coworkers. That's really, that's really what it is. I think that's really what it is. I mean, I pitched and I, this is just me being ambitious and I don't know if it'd be wasteful money, but like, making sure that we're present at the major conferences, like trying to having a booth, but I don't know what the expenditures of that are. And I don't even know what's an AMTA's budget. I'm just a junior high science teacher. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I, it's all I, I can talk about middle school modeling. I don't, I'm not good with the, any of the other marketing or any of the other things. So. Uh, George, I, I think you're more than just a middle school instructor. You're, you're an influencer. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you to continue uh, with your influence. And, you know, I just, here's the thing, maybe the resources that you've accumulated, you might want to maybe push them into the AMTA website a little bit with some connections there, uh, resources available, because that is a place some people go to find resources and it might help a little bit. And I know that what you've been involved with developing and the uh, message that you have to share with middle school teachers is really important. And so I just want to encourage you to continue on, you know, doing what you're doing. Don't get too discouraged, you know. Yes, we had a bobble with the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, but we are, I see things rebuilding in in the view that I have, and uh, I just want to encourage you along those lines. Gosh, it's been it's been really great to talk to you. Is there anything you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up our session? Uh, I just want to thank you for all the work that you do with running these podcasts, and I enjoy listening to them on my on my commute to uh, commute to work once huh. a month. And um, I think this, I think the podcast, this has been fantastic with trying to just keep their community reconnected. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I uh, I love doing it, and it's it's. I'm not a science teacher, but I've sure enjoyed learning uh, from you guys and about especially about this community of teachers it's been great you have a good thanksgiving in uh, fresno i think you're going to be much better than we are <laughs> i was going to tell you the same thing i was just going to say have a wonderful thanksgiving and christmas 
coming up and enjoy the bits of time off you get. And uh, But keep on keeping on in the classroom. And uh, I know you will. And I, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and to share your thoughts with our listeners. It's been great. George, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Science Modeling Talks. Head over to sciencemodelingtalks.com and you'll be able to listen to any of our archived episodes and access our show notes, which include guest bios, show highlights, and links to resources that were mentioned during the interview. While you're there, subscribe to our show so you won't miss out on any of our episodes. When you join this community through our email list, we'll send you a link to a lot of awesome resources from the American Modeling Teachers Association. Okay, so that's our show. As always, remember to keep striving for excellence in your classroom.